Welcome, Pudding People, to another episode of Everybody Loves Pudding. I am your host, Ken Seymour. Today, I have a fascinating interview with an up-and-coming actor that is in an awesome movie that just came out recently by the name of Townhouse Confidential. His name is Lee Tyler. Thank you so much for being here. Great to be here, Pudding People. It's a pleasure. <laughs> well, I, I, I have to say I'm always excited to, to talk to anybody that makes movies, films, television, is on stage, anybody that creates artistic content. Uh, but I, I have to say when I was doing my research to talk to you just a little bit, uh, I came across a, a disturbing picture. Uh, it looked like you were in a great deal of peril, uh, um, uh, a very scary weapon, uh, was was being uh, wielded at you. It looked like an elder wand to me. Uh. <laughs> an elder wand. Oh, wielded at me? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. I'm sorry. I, I was on the Instagram page and I saw it looked like uh, some Harry Potter paraphernalia. Yes. Uh. Yes. You're right. You're right. I um, used to work with a film collective that went by the name of Bad Guru. And that image you saw was from was would have been from a half day we spent working on a weird short film that took place in the universe of Harry Potter. And I won't recommend the film, <laughs> but I will recommend to everyone watching that you try to shoot something with wands because it was really fun. I work. um in my day job as an editor actually. And I had an opportunity to like get behind the camera and try some stuff out. And so I had directed this short, but that's not my expertise. Like I've been acting since 1999. I've put a lot of time into it. I really enjoyed the opportunity to direct on a set, but you know, in this life, we got to, call ourselves on our weaknesses and i won't say that screenwriting is necessarily my forte yet <laughs> but um this group was fantastic we shot like 11 short films um mine was one of the i would say misfires but most of the directors and writers are pros and uh i'd highly encourage anyone to check out on vimeo um the shorts sober sally or seance or um, Sophie's Choices, a lot of S's, but those are all great <laughs> films uh, with incredible actors. And the actors I worked with were great, too. Um, but, yeah, that was just me screwed around. Yeah, you did your research, man. Well, I, I, I tried. Did, yeah. yeah, go for it. <laughs> well, that was actually – I'm glad you brought that up because I wanted to know about Bad Guru. That, that yeah. sounded like a really interesting interesting project. What, what kind of caused that to come together? What kind of caused you to be involved with that? Yeah, it was um, it kind of I got personally involved on a like really at random. There's um, I have some friends, uh, a couple very talented filmmakers who are twin brothers, Chris and Lau McKee, uh, really talented guys, um, both writers, directors. Lau's also an actor. Um, I was at a closing party for a friend's studio, a friend's shooting studio. We were drinking. Chris McKee drunk invited me to go to this like script reading. I show up the following week thinking it's a script reading, but it's actually the inaugural meeting of a film collective that later became Bad Guru. And it wasn't a reading. It was literally like the kickoff night where actors would be sorted out into groups and assigned 
screenwriters. And basically, I got myself involved as an actor without realizing it. I thought it was going to be one of those things actors do where you like read some pages out loud. But no, it was like I was showing up to get involved. And I didn't realize that till like we were I was there introducing myself. But it ended up being one of the most bright joys of recent years in, in terms of collaboration because um, the McKees knew a bunch of people who like went to Boston University and ACT uh, acting MFA and those people wanted a little more footage for their reels really talented stage actors but they hadn't done a ton of film and so they brought in some veteran filmmakers and they were like let's make stuff as cheaply and as quickly as possible so rather than you know workshopping screenplays for months and months and months spending all the money to to do a short the idea was to share a location and shoot like three shorts there over a weekend and then all go in on um you know like like paying for a sound technician together um any technical expertise we couldn't provide ourselves we we'd pay for that but we were able to get a lot done quickly it was very quick though like we shot i think you know Eh, less than 10 pages per short, but we only had like a half day per short. Oh, wow. So it was like real run and gun, early morning, late end. But it was surprising to me how much we were able to accomplish. There's another great film called Our Bodies and Other Shames. It was written by an incredible actor and writer named Malka Wallach. Uh, it's like black and white. Um it's so tightly written. And we just did that in a half day. I acted in that one and I edited it. But it was just an opportunity for people to try stuff out. Like we had some directors direct them, a lot of good actors acting them, but also it was a chance for like actors to try directing like me or actors to, you know, try writing like me, even if I realize I have a lot of work to do. Um, and But even like there was a chance for directors to act and I really loved it. So altogether about 11 short films over the course of a year, like three weekends. Um, we had a whole fourth round scheduled for the weekend of March 20th, 2020. But you know the end of that story. Yeah, no doubt. So we, we, we'll, we all keep in touch. Everyone's scattered. But um, people have gone on to do some amazing work and shows. Yeah. That sounds like an absolute blast. How did you get into acting in, in the beginning? I grew up in a small city called Kalamazoo, Michigan. It's um, halfway between Detroit and Chicago. So we lucked out with sort of being an easy tour stop for like everything from theater to musical tours to this or that. It's also a college town. I grew up near the downtown area and there were a lot of theaters. I was like t already going to see these big, you know, stage combat based productions at the local community theater like three musketeers and stuff i'm talking like big shows for community theater the kalamazoo civic is truly one of the best it used to be like the number three or four ranked in terms of size and of a venue has a really old historic like massive theater probably sits like you know 600 to a thousand people and um they had uh, a local dude uh, a blacksmith and fight choreographer who would design weapons and like hand them over to kids and choreograph these massive melee battles for like adventure shows. And so I got involved around age 12 and I did everything from like Robin Hood to Lion, the Witch in the Wardrobe to Treasure Island. And I got to learn stage combat with like cutlasses and broadswords and I wore chain mail. 
there were multiple other theaters in the downtown area at the time and um it started to do the shows with adults um but yeah i got that was really it man it was a lot of very athletic um collaborative like ensemble adventure shows and i so i truly caught the bug um and then yeah by the time it was college application season i was like i, I don't know what else i enjoy doing more than this so let's go let's audition you know that's awesome. I, I know that, that there are so many different paths that you can take into the industry, and some of them are more straightforward than others, and some of them are more circuitous. Um, but they're all just kind of fascinating in how they kind of shape who you are and who you become. Now, I was kind of wondering if one of the things that it looks like that you were also involved with uh, kind of had that same kind of impact with you. I saw that you uh, is it is it accurate that you read with Naked Angels? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Are you familiar with that group? Yeah, that was uh, uh that's been around for a while. It's like Broderick and and uh, yeah, Gershon and you know, just got it's got a, a crazy pedigree of people that were involved with that. Yes, yes. Naked Angels is a theater company. Yeah, Matthew Broderick and uh, Sarah Jessica Parker. Uh, and some playwrights formed in the early 90s, like Jose Rivera, Kenneth Lonergan, um, real legends of the field. Um, they have a weekly cold read series called Tuesdays at Nine. It's had like it's been in like eight different theaters over the last 30 years. You know, one location closes, they move to the next. I started going like a little over 10 years ago at a space called the D Lounge near Union Square here in New York. And um, Kenny Lonergan would roll up with his pages still. Jose Rivera would do the same. There are all these guys showing up who were on Boardwalk Empire at the time. I was like super starstruck. And um, you really just get cast on site. You show there. It's like this chaotic environment. There's like pages being thrown everywhere. They're like, you, you, you're good for this. You're good for this. And I'm like, can I read the stage directions, please? <laughs> and like, uh, and I did. And it was, it's great. They were you know, they were welcoming. I'm sure there's all kinds of politics involved I wasn't aware of, but I, I went for like a year. I fell off for some reason. I stopped going. And then I I returned literally like the first week of 2020. I started going back because uh, another friend of mine was like, you got to return. You got to come back to this. And, um, and now it's on St. Mark's Place, Theater 80. I hope that place survives. Uh, but I had like three solid months of going back. And it was such a blast again. I'm like, how did I miss the last eight years of this? Um, and then the pandemic had hit and they pivoted immediately into like a Zoom environment. And honestly, like I was locked down alone for most of those those months. And so it was like a key part of my social life for the pandemic, doing like a lot of Zoom readings and stuff. Um, but now they're back and, and it's truly like some of the best work you can see uh, for free in the city is uh, is through Naked Angels. They used to produce a lot of off-Broadway. They do a really cool like youth outreach program in high schools. Um, that's that's cool. But um, really great opportunity to hear stuff out loud. And for me, just to like get up in front of 100 people and read some stuff cold. It's all as cold as can be uh, in terms of like no preparation, but lovely people, real great sense of community. That just just being able to make that connection not only with the other performers but having that kind of live feedback has to be a bit of a buzz. And so I always ask people that have had experience both on stage and behind a camera, since they are different animals, what is your favorite part of the production process 
in each one? How do they how do they kind of sit your favorite spots with you? Ooh, great question. Um, they're different. That's for damn sure. I think like, you know, at a certain level of script analysis, you know, acting is acting is acting, but that's kind of where the similarities end. You know, like with filmmaking, as I'm reading the script and preparing lines, I try to think about the the two-dimensional image we might be working with it's hard to know before you show up and understand like what the frame they have in mind is so that thinking you know it sometimes can't happen until you're on set but i enjoy for film the it's like you're painting a two-dimensional image with a group of people whereas theater is like a basketball game um the pace is completely different in rehearsal, it's truly a physical, collaborative act on like a, I mean, I get off on theater in the same way that I would get off playing a sport. Um, and film just always feels different. It feels much more strategic. And all these things are the same in both. There is strategy and choices in theater. There is physicality in film but they're just amped up to 11 the physicality for theater the cerebral strategizing for film um i had struggles early on with camera acting because my theater background was really like where i'd had most of my acting experience and i you know like a lot of theater classically trained people who hadn't had grown up around cameras i really had to dial it in understand um, how to do that. But once I was able to understand the frame of the camera as the stage in a different way, rather than getting all actory in my head all the time, to, to, to just actually think about the image a little more, that was sort of my breakthrough moment. But it is funny because this new film, Townhouse Confidential, was really where I got to break all of those rules. So it kind of no, none of it applied at all for Townhouse Confidential. Yeah. Well, and it seems like this this film specifically has such a fun concept that it's kind of blended from. Now, um, your your character gets to be kind of Kind of, it's almost like you're playing multiple characters at the same time because it's 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 very different, very different um, um, approaches to to the source. I don't even know if I'm saying that right. So, but you get to you have a level of flexibility and level of breadth that a lot of characters don't have. What did you really enjoy most about the character that you played in this film? Really, a wonderful observation there. I appreciate you. Picking up on that, there's like so many different George Barrows in there, or at least different opportunities to show different layers to a person. And, um, you know, the first scene, I was just like, let's be as, you know, priggish and uptight as possible. Like, I want to play someone that I wouldn't really enjoy being in the room with in terms of like, you know, presenting these properties and just the arrogance and the privilege and uh as the film goes on there's opportunities to pull that back and reveal this like really sheltered <laughs> you know like 
towering guy, you know, who who's got, you know, some decent qualities. Uh, you know, it's like the dude's like, you know, got the little seed of a prince charming in him. Um, but at first it's covered up by like this whole shell of, uh, you know, trust fund baby. And uh, so, yeah, it was definitely an opportunity to do that. And like, I really, our, um, <clears throat> Rosalind Resnick, our writer, you know, wrote a very classic story and we were encouraged to just go a hundred percent in terms of like archetypes. Like it was almost like a, a soap opera really in terms of the style of acting. And I was nervous about that. Cause like I said, I, I was proud of learning more about how to act on camera in terms of dialing it back, more subtle choices. But with this, you know, Patrick Perez, our amazing director, um, he gave everyone the green light. So I was like, all right, well, I hope this reads because it feels like I'm going real over the top here. <laughs> and I did. But the thing that I, I guess I realized only after seeing the film was um, everyone had the green light. Everyone went 100%. So when everyone's doing it, you're like, oh, this is just the world. Um, so that was a big sigh of relief for me because it, it ended up just sort of fitting in with everyone else. Um, yeah, yeah, an opportunity to play a lot of different characters in one, that's for sure. Talking about Mr. Perez, I mean, he's he's a, a very interesting gentleman if you get a chance to talk to him. But I kind of wonder, I, you, you can't ask somebody themselves sometimes what their particular style of directing is when they're a director because they're looking at it from one avenue or one direction rather than the other. Having had the chance to ha take direction, what was what was his style like? What would you describe his directing style? Mm. Um, pretty run and gun. I mean, in terms of our schedule, he had to be, but as a director working with the crew, I would say Patrick's strongest points are his communication skills, um, his ability to design shots on the fly, him and our DP, Ishtvan, they didn't really storyboard anything out in advance or anything. I don't think they felt they needed to because they'd already collaborated and they had this common language where they'd be like, all right, here we are. What are we doing the shot? This, that, like it should have an idea. And our electrics team would realize it within like a half hour. There was much less waiting around on this set than normal. And I think Patrick, he kept it moving fast and he also kept a real positive attitude um, for as an actor, like, it's so rare to work with someone who understands the need to keep things light and playful. Even if you're doing a dramatic scene or something like, I don't know. I always just felt very supported and, um, uh, and seen by Patrick, like he really let us have fun. And, and, you know, to Rosalind's credit, our writer, she let us play around with some of the lines, kind of add stuff here. We did a, a fair amount of improv, you know, some of the some of my favorite moments in the film are moments that we just improvised. Uh, and it's hard for a writer to do that, especially, you know, first time writing a feature like Rosalind. Um, I got to give her credit for letting her baby, you know, walk away like that. Um, and and so Patrick was a really good uh, dose of almost um, subversive energy to bring into kind of like an archetypal soap opera like we'd show up and be like all right how can we kind of like have fun have as much fun with this as possible and um you know i think it shows i think it shines through everyone really enjoyed themselves uh honestly every day on set was 
a real delight there. It was free of drama. And honestly, August of 2021, like just the fact that we were shooting anything at all um, with like, you know, the, the height of COVID and everything, it was, uh, it was pretty amazing. No one got sick. We, we were safe. It was great. It was an awesome time. What speaking about the writer, this seemed to be a real passion project for her. I mean, she had it as a novel and then adapted it to the screenplay. One of the things that seems to be, or at least one of the things that I, I find interesting is any time that a writer not only focuses on the characters themselves, but has the environment, the location almost be a character on its own. And a lot of the film was done in iconic New York locations. Um, so what I was kind of wondering is, were were these kind of locations that you were already like, yeah, I know these places. This is this was in not only was this in the show, but this is famous for whatever. Did it have that impact on you while you were filming, or was this something that you found out kind of after the fact? Um, I mean, it it felt like New York had a voice in it for sure. I I personally am extremely fond of uh, Washington Square Park as a, as just like a place to be. We didn't shoot in the park really, but like we are Rosalind's townhouse, her main townhouse that she lives in and that we shot in a lot uh, is just a block away. And I I I wasn't there for a lot of their B roll shoots or. Um, like most of my scenes were indoors at different locations, but yeah, I mean, we had like a couple moments where we got to shoot, uh, you know, out on the street. There's this shot where I approach the door and it's raining and I got this umbrella and like that whole day, it wasn't even supposed to rain. And so we were like, all right, well, if he shows up and it's raining, like I've got to show him walking through the rain now. So we added these shots of me like walking through the rain and that was like fun to do to be seen like yeah i mean like to uh, it's different when there's like citizens around and you're shooting there it's like pretty fun um i would say the most like pure new york moments well there's a couple that come to mind the the real positive one is when we shot the wedding at the church you know we had a whole audience there for the whole scene happening on the stairs uh, it's St. Luke's there in the village, or John's. St. Luke's or John's. Ooh, I forgot. It's one of those saints. But it's the huge white church, right, just in the West Village there. Right. Um, we had a whole crowd of people watching, applauding. We were like, it's not real. Uh, but it was so much fun. And uh, there was a moment. I don't, I don't know if you've heard this story yet, but we were shooting in the townhouse, and there was an attempted robbery directly outside a woman came down the street yelling, he took my phone, he took my phone. And we're shooting in there. I was upstairs getting ready. They were shooting a different scene. Our best boy, the uh, crew member, he rolls out, hides behind a car, and then the DP comes out with a trash can, and together they, like, tackle this guy who was stealing this woman's phone. The guy, like keeps the phone he has it he's running our director patrick comes out and runs up to him he's like give me the phone and the guy's like okay fine he gives the phone back and they returned it to the woman <laughs> and like it was just like i mean it sucks i don't I always like to you know connect new york with crime or this i mean it's it it was just this hilarious new york moment where it was like we're we're working we intercept a robbery 
and then we go back to working because it was like, all right, give the phone back. And then it's like this poor thief. He thought he was just going to get off easy, steal a woman's phone, go sell the phone. But he wasn't anticipating like a large group of like men trained in working together as a unit. Like, <laughs> and uh, that was just like immediate legend status, honestly. Um, awesome. Yeah, that. That was New York for sure. And uh, the the police lights in the diner scene that are flashing behind us, that's definitely uh, real. That's not our lights. So we were very much on the um, perimeter of New York life uh, in its good and its bad. And, uh, yeah, felt like it. That, that is just awesome. Uh, kind of a best and worst all at the same time. So, okay, I guess – more of a general question related to townhouse confidential are are you a fan of romantic comedies prior to this honestly they're not the movies i seek out i love playing roles like that but as a viewer they're not necessarily my go-to i enjoy them I'd probably rather see a Broadway musical than I would watch the latest feature. I I mean, I should probably just, you know, lie and say I'm a massive rom-com fan, but it it is, it it would probably be down several lines. Yeah. In terms of my own fandom. Well, I'll ask you the same question I asked Samantha and that is in instances in a romantic comedy uh, or any romantic, anything when you're recording it, the creation of a moment of intimacy that's supposed to be just kind of between a couple of people and supposed to be private and have to have some sort of an impact. What What is the most challenging thing about creating a moment like that from an actor's perspective? Mm. The most challenging thing is is to be able to get there with another actor when you're just surrounded by a huge crew is is the thing. I honestly find it easier to do intimate scenes on stage sometimes because even if you're having to be a little physically bigger and speak more loudly, the energy that I'm riding on stage the heat of it and the drama of just the feeling of being in a room with a bunch of people that can much more easily be translated into love or lust or something like that. Whereas if I'm in a room just surrounded by a bunch of random dudes with like, you know, equipment and like our crew was fantastic. <laughs> uh, men and women, everyone was wonderful. But it isn't the sexiest environment. Mm. And uh, so the challenge is really to tune that out. Like in theater, I'm saying yes to everything around me. In film, I really can't. I've got to be a lot more focused. I've got to drown things out around me. And uh, it turns out, actually, the most intimate scene in the film, the fireplace scene... That was my first day. That was my first scene. Samantha had already been there for a couple of days. That was my first scene. And uh, I was so nervous. It was hot. We had a roaring fire going in the middle of summer. Um, but, but Samantha's really great. I would say the challenges get a heck of a lot easier when you're working with a professional like her. I mean, she was so prepared. 
and so great to work with. We we met up, you know, in advance of shooting just to like, you know, get to know each other. Uh, you know, shook hands with her boyfriend, being like, "Yes, I will make out with your girlfriend. Thank you for your your vote of approval." Right. You know, and so that's an important thing to have. Um, but ah, you know, it's it's uh, it's about it's a real. It takes a lot of focus to be able to relax. You know, to just break through that tension. I always do better on my like at least second take. Like I'm 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 a collaborator. I got to get feedback on my work in order to do my best work. I really, I, I wish I was one of those people who could be a one take pony, but um, I think as soon as I hear some direction and someone, it makes me relax, honestly. And it, it allows me to be like, okay, they saw what I did. Now I can try this. And that always honestly puts me at ease in a weird way. Like when I get feedback or constructive criticism. Um, so between working with when I got to actually work with Sam and Patrick for the first time, which was really just sitting there at the fireplace, um, we were able to we were able to get to that place of intimacy pretty quick. I feel like that makes more sense because I know, at least for me, I know how I think I'm projecting, but that doesn't necessarily <laughs> mean that's how it's coming out. Yeah. Um, all right. So. Um, all right. So I have to ask a couple of kind of random questions then to to kind of to round out to the interview, we always go to the random questions and I have a, I have a couple that I usually like to do. Um, we are a podcast that talks more than anything else about the intersection of pop culture where it meets film and television and comic books. We love comic books and comic strips and things like that. Are you a comic book fan at all? I'm, I'm not ahead because I know how hardcore that can get. I, I would say the other categories I'm much more of a fan of I'm very tangential to comic books. Uh, so, okay. So are you familiar? I always I always like to ask, if you have, if you had your druthers, you had your choice and had the chance like MCU or the, the DCU or just some studio comes up like, we have to have you in a film. We want you to play a comic book character. You choose. Who mm. would you be? Ooh. It'd probably be a... Uh cheat to be like i want to be the new superhero that no one's seen before blah, blah, blah. um <laughs> you know what i know dc has some really interesting kind of like weird dark alternative kind of characters that i'm not familiar with but i know they're out there and i know i can play one of them <laughs> i think like any of the kind of edgier stuff i look i like spider-man but i don't know if i'd i mean well let, let's get one thing straight first of all if anyone from DC or Marvel is watching this, you could cast me as anything. Right? You cast me <laughs> as Captain America's annoying cousin. Right. I will be there. Don't get me wrong. But if I'm going to play, I really get to dig in and have my choice. Uh, gosh. Well, well, here's what I'll say. I'm I'm a real kind of outsider to comic books besides like the most recognizable superheroes. So if there's any characters out there that you super fans of comic books haven't seen yet, um, that are like, you know, a little weirder, a little edgier. Um, I think I would love to be a part of bringing those characters to the public for the first time or to a wider fan base, you know, through cinema. Um, I would also love to like be part of the Sandman series and play like one oh, of those yeah. like, like random, like I did, I did read the first like several issues of the Sandman and like, I just love how it digs into just any universe. Mm -hmm. I think it would be fun to like, play a Shakespeare character that is in the Sandman universe. Like, I don't know, something like that would be cool to like step into, you know, 
uh, like or like that video game Kingdom Hearts, oh, where it right. was like it was like Disney characters mixed with Final Fantasy characters mixed with like I love that notion of or like Spider Man, um, you know, into the multiverse or into the Spider Verse, where they're just like. It's like black and white Spider-Man and pig Spider-Man and this Spider-Man. Like, I love that. Love bending the universe rules, playing characters you wouldn't expect. Long answer, but I would love to play around. I think there's too many reboots and remakes. I just like the new stuff, man. I, right. I like seeing new sci-fi fantasy stories. I, I think they need to put a hiatus on a lot of the big famous characters for like the next 20 years. You know, it's, it's <laughs> kind of funny that you answered that. When I was when I was looking at your work and what you've done, I always do my internal casting and it's like okay, if I were to put this guy in any role, who would I put him in? And you know they're going to be bringing the X-Men back here in a number of years, and I'm hoping that they will go like you said into some villains that maybe haven't been represented so much and one of the ones that I thought of immediately is Arcade. His, his his whole thing is trapping people in elaborate, sometimes illusory environments to try and you know do whatever dastardly deed he is. He's he's normally portrayed as a very redheaded individual, but it really doesn't matter. It's like oh, it's like I, I can see that that you that you could do that kind of energy. It's like ah, this guy arcade. I am writing that down, and I'm going to go check that out immediately. That's awesome. Thank you for that tip. I actually do love the X-Men, man. I, I watch the animated series all the time as a kid. Uh, so thank you for that tip. I'll, I'll be writing with that one. Absolutely. It's, it's it's so much fun to just kind of play that, play that game. All right, final question. I thought I saw in uh, your Instagram that you might possibly, just maybe, be a tabletop gamer because I saw a picture of Pandemic. That was <laughs> on your Instagram feed. It's like, are are you a tabletop gamer? Because we do cover that as well. Dude, um, <laughs> nice deep dive. So I am, I'm not, I'm not, I, I am, I'm not, again, with comic books, when I see a good one or it happens to be in front of me, I enjoy it. Same with the tabletop game. I don't do it all the time, but if there's a new one and I happen to be with people who've got one, I will enjoy the heck out of that. Um, that pandemic thing was part of a experimental documentary series I made called Stirrup, where I literally just went to random locations in New York and across the country and interviewed strangers who were doing interesting things. And there is a game, there is a tabletop place in the village called The Uncommons. I, I hope it's still there. It's a lot of like NYU kids go there and just like adults of all ages where they've got like thousands of board games available. And like, you know, it's kind of like a cafe bar. Um, and there's just, it's full of people playing games. So I walked in there, I interviewed people playing like a Dracula game, people playing a, um, you know, Magic the Gathering. Um, and then there were these people playing Pandemic and it was like uh, so funny how into it they were. I mean, I actually played the game later for real and it was a lot of fun. Uh, I, I shot that in like 2016. So when the pandemic rolled around, I brought that clip back out. It was like, hey, hey pandemic. Yeah. <laughs> How appropriate. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, I can't thank you enough for taking your time to talk with us. And I cannot uh, emphasize to the listeners uh, 
enough to to take the opportunity to watch Townhouse Confidential. It's on streaming, multiple locations. You can check it out. It's a lot of fun. If you're a fan of romantic comedies or if you're a fan of Jane Austen kind of stuff, <clears throat> sort of, kind of, uh, it's, it's a lot of fun to watch. Now, for our listeners, if we want to find out what you're doing next, what's the best ways to follow you on social media? Instagram's best for me. Uh, at Lee Tyler C L E E T Y L E R S E E. I don't post a lot, but that's where I put the stuff out. I don't really tweet. I don't really TikTok, but I should. But yeah, Instagram is probably the best way to know. I got a short film coming out. Uh, we're just reaching picture lock. It's called Female Narrative, written by a lovely friend named Isabel Monk Cade. I get to play a real douchebag, but it's a good film. Uh, that'll be that'll be hitting festivals this year. Streaming later this year, I hope. Um, but yeah. IG, let's talk. I love it. Thank you again. My pleasure. Thank you so much, Putting People.